Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Sprites of Life podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Chris. And I'm Don. Oh, and it's so good to be out of the spooky season for me. I'll be honest. Y'all are great, but it's out of my element. No, we still have so many more. Oh, dude, there's so many more days. No, I mean, yeah, we're recording, but when this comes out, it'll be after spook season. It'll oh, be eating right. season. I accidentally revealed the uh, our secret timeline. <laughs> the, sacred, oh, no. the secret timeline. They cracked the veil. Quick, burn it all down. Start over. No, this time we're going. We're going back to to a little something we started right before the spooky season. So we did do an episode on the African savanna a little while ago, and we talked about the herbivores and antelopes and all that stuff. But now we got to talk about the predators. We're talking about the actual runners of the Lion King. We're talking about the claws, the teeth, the fangs. All the terrifying stuff that actually feeds on the super herbivores. If if hippos didn't scare you enough last time. Yeah, no, if the hippo if you thought the hippos were bad, wait until you hear how bad hyenas actually are. Because it's it's amazing. You're gonna have fun, I promise. Lion King is propaganda for lions. Honestly, Lion King is propaganda for lions. Uh, weirdly enough, though, they do get at least one thing right with the hyenas, and we'll get to that in a bit. I'm really focused on the hyenas because I have a lot to say about them. Um, but before we get to any of that, y'all brought us some news. Don's got some science news. All right, yeah, we can open with that. Um, yeah, so um, there was a new species of ancient alligator was discovered in a small pond. Um, this was as of October 19th. And the third largest city in Thailand, which I'm going to do my best, um, Nakhon Rachisma. I'm, I'm sure I butchered that. Uh, a group of villagers was digging a small pond. They, so apparently they were looking for fossils too. So it wasn't like a random discovery, but they found a skull, two jawbones, and some other bone fragments. And um, uh, it turns out they determined it was native to a species of the alligator from a species of alligator that was native to the area. Um, and the fossils date back about two hundred thirty thousand years to the uh, Pleistocene period. That's awesome. I'm I mean, not gonna we, lie. I genuinely thought when you shared the article that the, it was like a new, like a live alligator. When I first saw it on my newsfeed, I thought that's what it was gonna be too, and I was really excited because it's a the article is a photo of an of an alligator. I'm like, oh yeah, and then it's Let's fossils. Go. Like, oh, yo, okay. new gator yeah. just dropped, <laughs> and it does um share facial structures with the uh, current very endangered Chinese alligator. Um, so I think they were probably pretty closely related. It sucks too because there are only two species of alligator: the American and the Chinese alligator. One of them's doing great, the other terribly. So another gator would have been great. What's what's going on with the Chinese alligator? Bad things. The usual bad things, unfortunately. Um, environmental destruction, use of their body parts in medicine, overexploitation in general. They're pretty much reduced to one or two little lakes. Yeah, no. The, meanwhile, the American alligator gets to, I mean, it w- wasn't doing well for a while, but it gets to walk across golf courses. It gets to just sit in someone's pool. It gets to, like, attack someone's fender off a truck. I mean, it, it's living its best life, really. Yeah, no, there's like 300 Chinese alligators as of 2017, which is up, which is up from the, uh, which is up from, uh, like, the early 2000s. That's like some engineering courses in college. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not great. Like, it, it's very hard to talk about an animal where it's like, yeah, no, somehow even wild tigers are doing better than you. And wild tigers ain't doing great at all. I think there's more pandas. <laughs> well, there's definitely more pandas now. Um, weirdly enough, um, thanks to all the, like the geopolitical stuff going on between China and the United States, China is recalling all their pandas from the U.S. 
What? Yeah, because all pandas are rented basically from China. Yeah. Even if your panda has a baby, that baby's still property of China. Remember, koalas right? are the same for Australia. They're all rented. So basically, if you're in a zoo in the United States, Man, you're they're, not. That's, take... uh, you know, I have strong opinions about both animals, and maybe I'll keep them to myself. But I was like, what a rip off to both. <laughs> oh, the, the national zoo is losing its pandas. That's why Chinese soft diplomatic power. I'll get you an interview with my brother sometime to talk about it. He's all about. He's all international policy and stuff. But yeah, no, it's uh. It's not great. So that's your other side news. If you're losing your pandas, blame geopolitical forces beyond your control, not your local zoo. Not their fault. It's really weird because it's like, I don't like pandas personally, like not as much as other people do, but it just kind of stings that they would just take them, you know? Does does the U.S. rent animals? Do we have any cool animals that other zoos, international zoos want? I don't think there's any animal endemic to the United States that we loan out. Because anything we have here can also usually anything unique and weird here can usually be found in Canada, unless it's an alligator, and we have a lot of alligators. What regional exclusives does the United States have? Uh, <laughs> regional variants. Excuse me. <laughs> Wait, we got condors. Yeah, we do, but like we kind of keep those to ourselves because they're super endangered. Oh yeah, I guess we can't really loan those out. <laughs> yeah, no. Again, there's some countries that do and some countries that don't. In Australia and China, one being, you know an international powerhouse and the other being Australia, they kind of get to do what they want. Oopsie that's, doodle. That's the, is that the Australian national slogan? We do what we want. I mean, there's a few swear words in there that I'm not going to mention on mic, but yes, generally. So aside from soft core geopolitics and new alligators, do we have anything fun in gaming? Uh, we had Como and Tyranitar won a regional, which um, is not really the major news, but I was just excited for Tyranitar. I'm excited for Komoo. Like nobody, like the second fairy types existed, Komoo felt like it was going to die. But it's well, somehow it also final. lost its completely broken Z move. Yeah, but it somehow made it back. But like outside of Pokemon, there was some other stuff, right? I say we had probably one of the more uh, successful weeks in gaming, just because we had two major game releases, like top tier games and critically acclaimed games, drop like within the same week. Which was, we had uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I still need to get around to trying that, but it looks really good. Yeah, so it's Super Mario Brothers Wonder and Spider-Man 2. The Spider-Man 2 one caught my attention because I'm one of the only people on PS5 who doesn't have it yet. Like, this game, Spider-Man 2 broke Sony's... You're not the only one, Lucas. (laughs) Sony's record for games sold in 24 hours, 2.5 million copies in 24 hours. More than that, really. Like it's insane. Like that's a ridiculously high number, and the game has gotten really good praise for how well it did. It did make a mistake though. It did rep- change the Puerto Rican flag to the Cuban flag. Yeah, uh, that was a uh, oversight. Yeah, that's a. It, it's it's not as bad of an oversight as it could have been, but it's still really bad. <laughs> it's just one of those things that it's like, you just gotta like you just Google it. <laughs> But that's the problem. If you Google it, like the average like person who doesn't know anything about Latin America will be like, okay, they look really similar. Like they do look similar, but you really have to Google that stuff and work hard, especially when your whole game is about like, hey, we want to make sure we're representing the culture of Miles Morales. Like, cool. Get the country right. Yeah. That's the minimum. But aside from that, I really do need to play it. I'm still how many still- how many uh how many did you say it sold? Two point over two point five million. Oh, okay. In 24 hours. I'm trying to find out how many uh, 
Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Solely. That's harder to do. Nintendo's a lot more tight-lipped about that stuff. They're just like, we're here for the vibes. Like, hey, it's a Mario game. We don't need to count. We know we made money. Yeah. <laughs> what do we care? I'm going to go down to this local ramen shop and buy all the entire ramen shop because this is Nintendo. And that's how we roll. It's because this is going to be like the, I think this is the last, no, wait, this is the last new Mario game before the next uh, system. According to rumors, because we don't, no one has told us when the new system is out. We just all assume it's going to be next year because. I mean, we, there are odds of a new, another Mario game coming out because we have Mario, the, the Mario RPG game. Yeah, that's coming out in November. So the odds of another one coming out like next year are slim that no one has heard about yet i'd say slim i would also say that we are we should expect a new mario kart next year because they the last dlc for mario kart drops in like a few weeks well we get a new system and then you get a new mario kart that's the rule fine to be fair we played the same mario kart for two systems just want to point that out with the same one for the wii u they transferred it all right focus back to topic so today well, I do want to talk about the Savannah. Have either of you gotten to go on like a safari truck ride or anything like that, like a zoo or anything? Yes, in a zoo. Yeah. So one of the things I used to do in one of my old lines of work was working on the back of those safari trucks and working with wildlife animals. And I got to tell you, the number one thing you learn about living on the Savannah is that it sucks. It is a terrible life to live comparatively to what humans live. There's a reason almost all the humans wanted to leave. It's not great. I mean, like, if you think about it, it's not a consistent place to live. You have shifting seasons. Food is always on the move. You have to kind of move after them. Uh, the prey all moves in groups and are strong enough to break your jaw. Like, there's everything is involved in this ecosystem to be hyper-competitive. It's the only place in the world really left where megafauna just roam freely. Nowhere else has these things. So it's the only place that we can really see what it would have been like to live like, if you want an idea of what it was like to live in the Ice Age, like, go walk around the Savannah for a while and see how many big things can kill you. It's, what's the thinking for why the megafauna have, like, continued to thrive there? So, I think in part of it, last time we talked about it, it was because, from last of the research, the animals there had a chance to evolve with people. They had a chance to evolve and grow alongside people, and thus it gave them an advantage in, like, having to be able to deal with us, at least when we were at our most rudimentary. We were relatively new on the scene everywhere else, and so human hunting added to the already existing climate change that affected them. Keep in mind where they are on the equator, the climate changing ice melting wasn't really going to affect the equator line of the Serengeti. It's going to be just fine. It's also why some of the uh, new world predators don't really eat us as much as the old world predators. Like If you compare like deaths from crocodiles to death from alligators, even though they have plenty of opportunity, um, there's a theory that they just don't see people as food since we're relatively new to them. Meanwhile, you have Gustav roaming the rivers of Africa. He's still alive, I bet. That stupid crocodile. I love him so much. But that, that kind of brings to the great point. Predators are much fiercer in Africa because they've had to adapt to food that can crush, kick, and bite them, stab them with horns or teeth, etc. They've even had to adapt to each other being awful to each other because they just have this, this weird circular relationship of one of them having to be tougher than the other. And then it just keeps going. It's a vicious arms race about who can live and who can't i mean there are lots of different predators out there but the most of them out there are going to follow a very similar playbook in the in the uh, savannas you're going to try and sneak up close enough 
ambush them, chase them down, try and bring down a weaker member of the group. This is a pretty common tactic amongst animals, but it's very useful in an area where you're having to deal with critters that are only coming in and out at certain times of the year, and you have to make it count. Uh, to help, most of them have some form of camouflage that helps them blend into the grass or dust. So if you look at a lion's, like a female lion, for example, we'll talk about the males in a bit. The female lion is very much the color of the dirt, it is the color of the grass. If they're standing perfectly still, they won't be seen as easily. It's just going to be dust to an animal. Meanwhile, you have the cheetah or the leopard, and they are covered in spots or stripes or any number of things, and that helps break up the silhouette. And so that also helps them blend in. If you want to see something really trippy, you can go ahead and Google what happened, like leopard camouflage. And it's really cool to see just how well something so flamboyant looking would actually blend into their environment. It, it, and by cool, I mean absolutely terrifying. It is amazing just how good they can do it. It's a really fun game to play. Is like how long does it take you to spot it and then like watch an episode of one sneaking up on a, like an antelope or something. Yeah. And it's just see if you would have made it if you were an antelope. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like just a random game that people play. Like, like that's what biologists play when they're like studying this chapter. It's, it's like, all right, guys, game. grab your drinks. Let's see how long you'd last. <laughs> Honor rules work. And that's really, and it's really interesting to see how these animals have been so successful while they were out there. I mean, the timing to strike down their prey has to be near perfect. These animals are going to have to not waste a single drop of energy because food isn't as plentiful. There are times where there are wildebeest as far as the eye can see, but if you target the wrong one, you're going to get gored. There are also going to be times where there's no food around. There's like bones to pick at and not even enough water. You have to get the food as best as you can in order to survive. And so they've gotten pretty good at getting them. The best at it doesn't have a Pokemon yet, and that is the painted dog. Have either of you heard of them? Yes, the African painted dog, right? Yes, the African painted dog. They're famous because... Either way, they live in Africa, so yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They're uh, Chris, you've heard of them? I have not. They're really cool. I wish we could domesticate them, honestly. I really want one. (laughs) (laughs) They are disgustingly good at hunting. The average hunting rate for a lion in successfully catching and eating their prey is 30%. Some studies have found the success rate of the painted dog to be 80%. Is this like that that like tiny cat too. I also think that's in Africa that like looks like super adorable. And you find out that like its predation rate is like, Oh, like the, was it the black eared cat or black footed cat or yeah. Something like that. It's got like a sand hun- cat. Maybe someone Google that while I'm talking. I have no idea if that was real. All I know about the painted dog with that. There's some studies that found them being super duper successful. Yeah. The black sand cat. Yeah. Black that's sand- it. Or no, it's not black sand cat. It's just sand cat. Sand yeah. Cat. I, yeah. I've seen the pictures of it. It just looks like this little kitten, and then it's just like the world's greatest hunter. Yeah, it's one of the most successful creatures of time, and it's successful in part because, one, it's adorable. Who would want to hurt it? And two, it is just – it knows how to sneak up and catch its prey. It takes its time and does it well. The lions usually aren't as successful because they're taking on something bigger with more risk. I think the most successful predator there is is a dragonfly, if I remember right. is a stat I saw once. <laughs> it's like 99.2% or something insane. Yeah, the sta- yeah, the bigger predators on average it's around 30%. Uh weirdly enough the cheetah is 50%, but they lose it most of the time because bigger predators see that they caught it and then chase them away. Yeah, cheetahs can't fight. Cheetahs can't fight, no. 
Um, the balance, though, of this ecosystem, because it's so fierce, is actually really slim. Oh, wait, can I throw in on a, a cool painted dog fact? Go ahead. Yeah, so the painted dog, um, despite being like the painted dog, is actually the only, it's in actually in a separate um, uh, genus, uh, like Lycaon, L-Y-C-A-O-N, like Lycan, it's almost like Lycan, but on, Lycaon, how do you say that? Anyway, sorry for that separate tangent. Um, do you think it would be like in a canis with like, you know, dogs, wolves, jackals, coyotes? Um, but it's actually in a separate genus, and it's the only member of its genus, and that genus is it's classified as a hypercarnivore. Oh, um, which means it's almost entirely meat compared to uh, like carnivores like wolves and dogs and coyotes, which will eat like you know some fruit here or there. Or they'll kind of snack on some other stuff. Very similar to a cat too. Yeah, but the African wild dog is much closer to a cat in terms of diet. Yeah, no, that's wild. And anyway, with their with their ecosystem. Um, it's really difficult to balance it out, and obviously humans have had an impact at it. Um, if anything goes one way or the other, the entire system crashes. Like, for example, with something oh, like... Oh, sorry, the- one more one more fun painted dog fact. I forgot I had this written down. They're kind of cool because, you know, they're very social, Um, and the, the young will actually feed first on the carcasses, hmm. which is very, okay. like, that's very wholesome. They let, the, they let the little babies eat first. With their balance, if it goes one way or the other, these animals go kaput. Um, with there's too many herbivores out there, that means that like a lot of the grasses get eaten up, and thus later on the herbivores are going to die out. The predators don't have anything to eat. With the predators going up in numbers, they consume everything and they wipe the out. Remember the Lion King near the end where everything was dead? Yeah. That's the balance going out of whack. That's basically what you run into. If you overconsume, you lose it. But if you have too many herbivores around, there's no grass. And it, it's an important balance because these ecosystems really do depend on it. Um, the run of the zebras and the wildebeest, like I said last time, that's as much biomass. When they die in those rivers during the crossings, that's as much biomass as about 10 blue whales. Like, it's incredible the amount of meat they produce. And so these animals have a really important job of cleaning on it and feeding on it. And we don't even have time to talk about how powerful crocodiles are. Today, we're going to be talking about the Pokemon that live on land that represent some of these amazing hunters. Let's go ahead and start with the most African of African predators. They get their own movie. We're talking about Pyroar. Don, has Pyroar ever been good? Um, if I remember correctly, back in like 2014 or 15, it top cut one regional. Huh. If I, um, and I think it's never done anything since. Despite that normal normal fire is actually like a really good typing into a lot of things. The fact that um Fluttermane is Fluttermane. Hmm. And um, it resists one is immune to the other, and we still don't see Pyroar, like ever. Yeah, that should uh, that should give it off a few hints there. But it is a unique Pokemon. It's weird that it came out in the France region, but I, I mean, it's a lion. Like it's the I, first, there, were, it, there used to be a European lion. You know, you're right. My bad. Yes, fine. But lions did used to be more widespread, and now they're only stuck in Africa. Um, but it's one of the greatest uses of sexual dimorphism. In any of the Pokemon. I love this thing's design so much. Because of how they mix like a male lion and a female lion. And how they would look different. I think that's such a good idea. Yeah, they did pretty good with it. Was this the first one that had the the dimorphism? Ah, You want to count Nidoking and Nidoqueen? No, those are different. Well, When did they add? They added the differences. Was that Gen 4 or Gen 5? I feel like it was Gen 4 though. Yeah, I mean... Nido, Nido King and Nido Queen, I don't count because they are different deck entries. They are different mons. Okay. 
I'm just saying the Pikachu got a heart-shaped tail at some point. Yeah, so did Heracross got with the horn. Yeah, like they all kind of got them roughly around the same time. I think it was, it was Gen, Gen 4. 4 when they, yeah, it Gen was 4. Gen 4. Yeah, and that's its own thing. But, I mean, African lions are famous for that sexual dimorphism, but they're also famous for their tactics. They are the only truly social cats. They have a whole hierarchy and a whole group system, and they're obviously famous for their strength as well. The number of people who get lion tattoos who don't know anything about lions blows my mind. Like it's just one of the it's like one of the most common animals you'll tattoo. It's the most common symbol on random Facebook memes from 40 year old mothers. Like it's very much one of those animals that has stuck with human mindset and consciousness and culture for millennia. But kind of like the bald eagle, it's a symbol where people should probably learn more about it just because it's cool. It's not just a symbol. It's a critter. Now, the Pokedex has no idea what male or female lions do. Or at least they didn't put it in the game because they mixed up a lot of their stuff. Like if you read the Pyward Dex entries, it'll say things like um, uh, the female, the pride works together to bring down prey. That's true. It's thanks to them the pride doesn't starve. Yes, that is accurate. Female lions do the majority of the hunting. They are stealthier. It's what they do. On the other hand, um, they will go ahead and they will put things like the males are usually lazy, but when attacked by a strong foe, a male will protect its friends with no regard for its own safety. So again, that is also true. The males are, but not quite. They're not lazy. That is one of the biggest issues I see. They're cultivating mass. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Don is not wrong. That is what they are cultivating mass. They are bulking up and being ready to fight. The female lion is built for hunting and nurturing the young. That's what they do best. That is what they've evolved to do. They are built for stealth and attack. They are weaker than the males, but better at catching stuff. The male can still hunt. The male can still bring down any number of critters that it wants to, but it's not going to be as good as the females are. His job is to bulk up, look tough, stand on a big rock, and make sure all the other lions see him and know not to mess with him. If a male lion challenges another male lion for his pride and he loses... The child, it's going to eat and or kill the new the baby lions. Like that's just the rule. The reason they do this is because female lions will not stop start ovulating unless they have new babies, unless the other babies are gone. And so a lot of the time it is really tough. The male lion is like, I have to be strong or all my babies die. And their whole job is protect the young. So I feel like the male lions don't get enough love. You know, I, I once again, though, Pokemon does not know how heat and fire works. And it says its, bre- its breath can be over 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. I just like that. It's an ultra moon, I think. But it says that it can breathe this really hot fire, but it doesn't use it on its prey because it likes raw meat. I mean, Respect it doesn't it. overcook its steak. So, OK, a point in its favor. Likes it raw. It likes that blue raw. What is it called? The blue. Ugh. Yeah, blue rare blue steak. Yeah. Gross. I mean, oh, yeah, just, um, yeah, also the um I think it's the Duba uh region of like the um Akavango Delta, maybe it's like an island. Um where there's the Buffalo Specialist Lions. Ooh. Cool. It's a really cool um I think they're on the new planet Earth. Um they're like normally Cape Buffalo, you know, are like a risky item. Um and it's but like this is a group of lions that specialize in them. And the males seem to take a little more active role since like it's such a big prey item. Yeah, they have to. There's also some videos of the male lions, like, while the females are, like, hunting and getting ready, the male lion just bolts out of nowhere and just tackles a zebra by himself. The male lion is much stronger than the female. He's just not as good at the whole stealth thing. 
He's more get in, crush what you can, and get out. Uh, I have a question, Lucas. Yes. So for Lit Leo, it there is not that gender dimorphism between them. Uh, and the dex entry doesn't separate, you know, male or female versus. So it says, when they're young, they live with the pride. Once they're able to hunt on their own, they're kicked out and have to make their own way. With Only the males would probably be kicked out. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, that happens with a lot of animals. It even happens with, like, dolphins, where the males will get kicked out to force on their own and find their own group. So the male lions who are wandering around trying to look for a group of females are looking for, like, an older lion to take down. It's not a great life being a lion. Like the whole like lone. It's also weird because when people are like, yeah, I'm a lion. I'm proud and I'm alone. It's like the, the lion's whole goal is to find itself a family. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Unless you're beating on the elderly, you're not you're not following lion goals. <laughs> you got to find an older man, take his family. And now you're being that's lion energy right there. Uh, we do. We here at the Price of Light podcast do not actually condone beating the elderly and taking their family. On to the underrated of the cats out in the savannah. We don't have a cheetah Pokemon yet. Don't know why. Seems obvious. But we do have Leopard. And Leopard is based on a, lo- on a leopard and completes my favorite Pokemon tradition of making cats evil. Except for one. There's only one non-evil cat. <laughs> Who's the non-evil cat? Wasn't it like Sprigatito that's like the only non-evil cat? But Sprigatito becomes the dark type. Uh, there was one other. We had one cat that was Pyro, good. not the non-evil one? Pyro's not evil. And Meow? Yeah, I guess it does. Like, most of the cats are evil. I didn't make the rules. Like, literally in the decks, it says it's moody and vicious. Like, I don't make, I don't, I don't like cats. Perugly, Perugly's a jerk. Yeah, like it looks like a jerk. It's got ugly in its name. Like most of the cats are written as jerks. It's not my fault. But leopards don't get enough appreciation for what they can do. They are highly underrated cats of the savannah. And honestly, I think they kind of like it that way. These animals are, they do not use line tactics or teamwork or speed. They are really good at stealth. If you compare the body plan of a leopard to the body plan of a lion, their legs are shorter, they're stockier, they're great, they have bigger paws than any of the lions do by body ratio because their whole thing is catch their prey while it's not looking, wrestle it to the ground, and then climb up a tree with it in its teeth. Insane strength, honestly. It, it's one of that's one of the most like insane things that I can see like see in the wild is just seeing this like cat carry a like a full-on like antelope up a tree these animals weigh about 200 pounds and it can pull up over 400 pounds of meat in its mouth up a tree and place it on a branch that is ridiculous no creature like it's if you even just looking at a video it looks like it's fake because this thing is just hauling it up there and stocking it up there and the reason they eat in the tree is because well the lion will clearly just take it away from them so just go the place the lion can't go Eat up in the tree and leave it for later. Maybe the vultures might take a piece, but they're not going to take the whole thing. No other predator can climb a tree like it can, and there aren't that many trees to do it from anyway. It's a phenomenal hunting strategy. And it, again, I mean, imagine a 200-pound person like carrying an entire like meal, like an entire Thanksgiving meal in his teeth up a tree to eat it so the family doesn't get it. Like it, it, It's wild. I love this thing so much. I don't like Leopard that much. But I mean, it's a prankster Pokemon, so it has its place. I actually, I'm actually a big Leopard fan. Um, I've used it at events. Um, Leopard had some 
uh, use back in like 2015 and stuff as well. Uh, Fake Out plus Encore is like always really good with Prankster. Um, it's also part of a thing that I don't think you can really do anymore. But are you guys ever familiar with Void Cats? Dark Void? I, I Dark Void what now? Okay, so there's a move called Assist, which randomly uses a move that's on your team. And that you don't have. Like one of your teammates in the back has it, right? Um, Lipard and um, Purloin, that's the little one, both have Prankster, right? Um, they use the move assist coupled with a few other like weird moves that can't be selected by assist. Um, I think like maybe dive or something. I can't remember what else the exact. Um, there's a few moves that can't be picked by assist. So you, you use a team and one of the Pokemon in the back of your team is Dark Void Smeargle. You click as assist with both. So you have double prankster Dark Void. Um, and then you do that until everything's asleep. And then you do damage. And then you keep continuing to do that until you win. It, it, you're basically using like focus punch and fly. Are like your main attacking moves on that team if I remember right. It has to be move like two turn moves that which can't be picked by assist, if I remember right, and a couple of signature moves. That's foul. But you're basically it, just forcing assist to only pick Dark Void. Like I feel like okay, if one of us tried a strategy that grimy, when we went to that tournament in Charlotte, I feel like all the other Pokemon players would refuse to sit with us. It doesn't really work quite as well. Um probably in open team sheets. And I think that um after the Dark Void nerf was also big. Yeah, that would probably have done it. Um, I do think Leopard like is a bit too lean. Again, that's just me. But otherwise, I think it's a great representation of the, the actual Pokemon. The whole thing about this Pokedex entry is that it's sneaky, it's stealthy, it attacks while you're not looking. That is the Leopard's whole thing. It's not going to chase you down. It's just it has you in its mouth now. Your neck is broken and you're going up a tree. Like that is their hunting strategy. Yeah, and Leop- it works really- I- yeah, I think Leopard really gets like the uh, the stealth and the sort of I guess like trickiness is the right word since leopards aren't like you know they're not like deceitful or anything. It's just their hunting strategy, um, a little more so than like the strength of the leopard. Leopard, you know. It's again wild stuff. I just they could climb the tree with another. They're also alone. way smaller than an actual leopard too. They're like eighty pounds. Yeah, no. So this thing would probably carry like this thing could literally like pick Ash up and just climb him up a tree and just put him there. I don't know. It's a base attack stats probably lower than an actual leopard's too. Yeah, it's one of those Pokemon where it's just like you know the real thing could probably beat you at a punching contest. I mean, then again, just sucker punches you. Like I don't know would a sucker punch from a Leopard hurt a leopard? If there's one Pokemon though that does lose to the real deal, um, it's got to be Mightyena. And Mightyena is one of the weirdest designed Pokemon I've ever seen, comparatively. Because, I mean, if you look at it, it's supposed to be based on a hyena. It's in the name. I, I, I liked Mightyena so much back in the day when I first played Pokemon Sapphire. I thought he was so cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's cool. Like, he's like, it, it's a cool looking monster. Um, one thing I will say that it's my pet peeve. It's not like a real pet peeve, but it does irk me. Uh, when people are like, which dog Pokemon would you like to have in the real world? And they put Mighty in there. It's like, not a dog. You stop that. <laughs> Technically speaking, they're in their own group of Carnivora, Carnivora Hyena Day. Um, if you wanted to twist my arm a little bit, it is closer to cat than dog. Yeah, so sh- like behaviorally, I feel like they're closer to dogs, but genetically, they're cl- a little closer to cats. Which is still weird. And it looks like a dog. Like if you pull up a picture of it, it looks like a wolf dog. But then like it has like... The ma- it has the black-rimmed mouth, the sharp fangs. It has, like, the eyes and the patches. It's it's supposed to be a hyena, but it's like someone described a hyena to someone, and they just drew a wolf. It goes yeah. to, I feel like it's way furrier than hyenas are. Yeah, it's got more. Again, it looks more like a Well, dog. there's the um the other hyena, the uh, uh, striped hyena. 
yeah, the striped hyena, the brown hyena, the aardwolves, they all have a lot of fur on them. But the... I would say that mighty hyena is more striped too, because stripes have the pointed ears versus mm. the... The spotted? Yeah, spotted have the rounded ears. Again, like I was saying earlier, though, like compared to what other hyenas can do, like mighty hyena just seems kind of like, you know, meh. Like mighty hyena apparently hunks in packs of 10, like specifically 10, which is cute. Because a spotted hyena can live in packs of well over a hundred, which is just like, and it's all a matriarchal society. Like it is very much the female dominant one. Males are kicked out of the group to find other groups, but then males from a uh, foreign and completely different groups are allowed in as a way of helping to uh, stock the gene pool and make it a little bit healthier, which is really smart. Like that's really, really good. Most, some humans can't even figure that part out with um the hyenas as well. Like individually, they're downright terrifying because they can chew glass and not care. They have one of the toughest mouths in the animal kingdom. A pack of hyenas has been seen stripping down a zebra carcass, like skin, bone, and all, in less than 30 minutes. Like, it's, what can Mighty Anna do? It bite good. I mean, about- you're still Mighty Anna short because it also says that uh, it basically like only obeys the trainers that it chooses to because it believes they have the best skill yeah the the memory of the memory of its life in the wild compels the pokemon to obey only those trainers that it recognizes to possess superior skill that doesn't make any sense considering all the team aqua and team magma grunts i beat up with this who had this thing that'd be actually really funny in the game of a bunch of random mighty Endas are following you around like wait, why you beat the skilled one you are more skilled i'm coming with you it does get, like, a lot of bite moves, I'll give it that. Does it even get, like, the biting ability? No, it does not get strong jaw. It has intimidate, um, which is probably the best ability it has. Um, unfortunately, there's a different dark type that has intimidate. It gets intimidate, quick feet, and moxie. Two of those are fine. The one thing they do get right about my Deanna is that it doesn't scavenge, it hunts. A lot of times people are like, oh, the hyenas are scavengers. Like, even the Lion King, they talk about how the hyenas are scavengers, and it's like... Yeah, no, they are hunters. They take down their prey. They are. It's really scary to see them do it, too, because it really is like mob mentality. There's like 30 of us and like this one wildebeest. Get them. It's wild to see them do it. I mean, granted, they could still get kicked and hurt, but like maybe five go down. But the other 25, you're eating good. It's the, uh, it's the old uh, Futurama killbot joke. Yeah, killbots have a preset kill limit. (laughs) Once I sent enough men against them, they were powerless. (laughs) Wave after wave of my own hyenas until finally we took down the zebra. Oh my gosh. No, hyenas are also amazing communicators. So, like, they have one of the widest vocal ranges of any mammals, including primates. Like, everyone knows about the whole, like, the laughing hyena thing. That's actually a sound of submission. Um, there are other sounds that they make. There's barks and clicks and hoops that all really help communicate, and it makes it work so well. They are a lot more amazing than people give them credit for, and I really hope that people who actually do go to zoos and stuff and do get a chance to see them appreciate what a predator they are. They are not the scavengers the Lion King made them out to be. They are their own distinct predator, and they're great at it. I mean, they're just not as fancy looking as the lion, and they're a little bit grosser, so, you know, whatever. So I was able to save the cruelest Pokemon for last. And that's a bold statement, considering Lipard is the cruel Pokemon. <laughs> this one is the cruelest, and it is Mandibuzz. 
No one cares about Mandibuzz anymore, and I know it's seen competitive play. I've seen it. I was there for that. Pokemon Go cares about Mandibuzz. Mandibuzz actually had quite a few regional finishes. I think it's even won a few. Yeah, no, it's a solid And Pokemon. it's made it to, like, um, I want to say it got second at Worlds, actually, in 2017, I believe. 2018, maybe. It's a fun design. I also love how uh, the Volby, the little mini version of it, like like its diaper is a skull, and that's pretty metal. I actually ha- am just now realizing that that is a skull. Yeah, on it is Volby. a skull. Yeah, Volby I thought gets it was an skull. egg. Yeah, I thought it was an egg. It's. A, I also thought that until forty five seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There, it's metal. It's the it's the most metal creature. It does say in the Pokedex that they are really nice to the babies, even though they're cruel. They are scavengers. Like, vultures in the real world are scavengers. Mandibuzz is just kind of a jerk. Okay, here's from Ultra Sun. It skillfully arranges the bones of its prey to construct its nest, mostly of the bones of Cubone. It just knows what it likes to eat, man. It eats the sad baby Pokemon. That is its favorite diet, is sad baby. There's no parent to to protect it. It just sounds like an optimized hunting experience. That is the meanest thing I have read in the Pokedex entries in a while. And that's saying something, given the line of work we're in. Like, it is absolutely vicious. But vultures in real life aren't just scavenging. They're just mostly scavengers. So there are a couple of vultures that this could be referencing, but Mandibuzz shares a lot of um, in common with the lappet face vulture, which is um, an endangered species of vulture. It's known because it's really strong compared to other vultures. It's strong enough to tear through hide and muscle of big game animals, and other vultures are usually going to wait for predators to start bringing through it, and then they'll go ahead and start trying to break their pieces off. So for them, once the prey goes down, like if it's just an elephant that dies of heat exhaustion, They'll just go ahead and just start at it, which is amazing considering just how tough these animals are like to take down in general with elephants. Um, but they are also known for going after weaker prey. So they are just like a mandibuzz would. Instead of like scavenging, they'll find something weak or small. They'll pounce on it, land on it with their massive weight and try and like bring them down, which is honestly terrifying, by the way. I just... It looks like the Grim Reaper, and it's just coming down on you because you're weak. Like, that that sounds like death to me. I mean, it's definitely... it's Honestly, it's not as heavy as I expected it to be. No, I mean, like, birds typically aren't as heavy as you think. That is one of the things that Pokemon accidentally gets right. Birds aren't super heavy. To be heavy means you can't fly. It's still too heavy to fly because it's covered in bones, but, you know, it's still pretty neat. It's just under 90 pounds. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's still gigantic for a bird. For a bird, that's pretty freaking huge. Like a bald eagle at full weight, like Alaskan bald eagle is like 15 pounds. I believe the Korea Buster is the heaviest bird that can fly, and it's like 35 pounds. Yeah, it's not it's not a great look for Pokemon. Like it's still like lighter than some of the other stuff Corey they do. Buster, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, it's it's the Pokemon weights are weird. Pokemon temperatures are weird. We both know this. We all three of us know this. It's it's not a not a surprise. But I like that Mandibuzz does have that, like, I like how it has the look of a vulture. It's one of those Pokemon where you look at it and it's like, yeah, that is very clearly a vulture. And also, it's it's got the same thing as, like, Flamigo, where it's like, it looks almost too similar to, like, the real thing. But at the same time, the real thing is so extreme, why would you bother changing anything? Like, a, a real vulture is basically immune to most of the bacteria, including anthrax, can soar for hours... And it'll scare it off. They scare off cheetahs. Like when a cheetah like loses a prey item, it's not losing them to lions. It's losing them to vultures who can peck their eyes out. And they run away. 
Because of course they do. So does that mean cheetahs are weak? Cheetahs are incredibly weak. Oh my God. They're glass cannons. I have stated multiple times in other places that if a cheetah does get a Pokemon ability, it should get one that's like slow start but reverse. For three turns, its stats are doubled. And then after that, its stats should be garbage. It's basically defeatist. Yeah, it's just... It, it's everything Which is a terrible goes. ability. Yeah, it's, you go in. You go in all powered up, but then you, you waste it at the finish line. That is kind of the cheetah strategy. It is why they are sadly going extinct. Um, with Mandibas, though, I do think it deserves better abilities. Like, I feel like Vultures deserve a bit more than just big pecs, overcoat, and weak armor. I don't even know where it gets weak armor. From. Overcoat's an incredible ability. You take that back. Okay, you can keep overcoat, but big pecs and weak armor? I don't know. They, they probably see, are pretty strong. They probably have big pecs. Yeah, they're strong enough. I just, I just honestly want an excuse to put Intimidate on this thing. Another dark type with Intimidate. We don't have too many of those. Honestly, like, man, the buzz with Intimidate would be really good. Being immune, being uh, as bulky as it is, and having Tailwind and Snarl. Snarl plus Intimidate is always insanely good. You could also technically give it Wind Rider on account that just like eagles, they will soar for hours on the thermals and on the vents, searching and hunting their food down. They don't need to flap their wings nearly as often as other animals do. And if they can give it to the tree... I think we can give it to the vulture. Yeah, but the tree's angrier. The vault also the vulture's attack stat is garbage. The vulture is literally wearing teeth as a skirt. Yeah, that's its armor. Like it's, the, the thing the that vulture has base sixty five attack. Yeah, but the vulture also gave a diaper skull to its babies. I feel like it deserves a little bit more metal than some weak armor. What if it was wind tank where it just when it has that its defense stat gets boosted? That would be really good. No, I think Mandibuzz. I think Mandibuzz with like Intimidate plus Misty Seed would be an insanely good Tailwind mod. Good combo. I like the combo, and that kind of goes for like. It's really actually. Cool. Oh, um, sorry. Other Mandibuzz fact: back in um 2017, when Snorlax with Belly Drum was like the biggest thing, people would actually run um Seed Thief Mandibuzz sometimes because seed you could thief? like that. You would use a seed like a grassy seed or a Misty Seed. Uh huh. And then you would to consume your item, and then you would th use Thief on opposing Snorlax to take their berry. Oh. Also, Mandibuzz had foul play and taunt, so you could also just taunt the mimic you and stop the trick room, and then foul play the now plus six Snorlax, which would just instantly kill it. Yeah, Mandibuzz was really good. What if he's coming back in the next DLC? He's in this game, I think. He's now, in this he? one already. I thought I don't maybe see him I'm. Around. Yeah, I, I feel like I would have seen him at least once, right? Like, someone's going to try him. Remember, I'm in the scum ranking of Showdown. I'm in the 1,000. You say that, but I've literally never seen Hisuian uh, Decidueye once. Anywho, with all of these, like, there's only four, like, major predators that we have in the game comparatively. Like, yes, there are crocodiles in Africa, but they only kind of, they only live in the river. So they yes, only have Mandibuzz to... Yes, was added in the DLC. Okay, good. So he was there. I knew it. Wait, already? Already? In the Teal Mask DLC added uh, uh, Mandibuzz. Okay, so he is there. It's just nobody cares. Okay, that, that's a little sad. Anyway, I think it's cool that Pokemon did this. I think it's really important that Pokemon like added these animals in there. One, they're iconic, and you kind of have to with things like lions and like leopards. But I think it's really cool to add these predators in and not have super many of them. Because in Africa... Like, if you compare, like, the dozens of species of antelope and all the different zebras, so there's the, the impalas and everything else out there, there aren't that many predator species in Africa. 
because they don't need to be. They've kind of cornered the market and they don't need it. You have your smaller hunters. You have your Ardwolves and your smaller hyenas and your tiny murder cats. But I think it's so cool that they added these Pokemon in. It's such a it's such a special environment. There's so many people who spend billions of dollars in tourism every year getting these er- to these areas to see these animals up close. And that's because they're so special to us. As you said, Chris, with lions and all these others, they're symbols and they're cool. Granted, not as much the vulture, but you know, some people like them. Me, I like them. That's fine. I want to see a vulture up close, like the big ones, not just the black vultures that raid the back of the Long John Silvers near my house. Anywho, that's all I got to say, which is honestly quite a lot. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add before we wrap up? Uh, I don't think so. No, no more painted dog facts? I mean, I like those. I honestly do. I really like the painted. I mean, I have more painted dog facts, but they're not fun ones, so I'm not going to share. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like we could, I mean, like a painted dog Pokemon wouldn't be too far out of the ordinary. We could always use more dogs. Yeah, we'd always even do like a regional variant or something. They could do a regional Mighty Inya, even though it would not, you know, genetically accurate, but it would be a kind of a cool crossover for him. Maybe they could do what they did with like Wugtrio and just make it like, no, no, it's not a regional variant. It's different. Yeah, that's it. It's different. Yeah, that was a hilarious thing. I I, I still don't understand their choice to do that. But the I same that they did with Tentacool and making it a mushroom that runs around with Squidward feet. Yeah, well, that one's that one's the best. That's a <laughs> that that made the game immediately an eight out of ten. Glitches be damned. Like just no, I just want to watch him run. <laughs> Look at him go. Well, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Um, we do, of course, have our ways to talk to us. If you ever want to suggest an episode or anything, we are mostly on our Discord. We are all—all all the mods are set up for that. And would like if you answer on our Discord, we'll be there listening. We hope you guys get a chance to talk with us because we really love doing what we do, and we love getting your suggestions. It's how we kind of get these episodes to begin with. So, thank you guys so much. Have a great rest of your day or night, and we'll catch you on to the next one. Bye, everybody.